Hebrews 5.1. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. I want to speak to you tonight on compassion. Thank you for standing. I'm compassionate. God bless you. Please be seated. So there are some people in our culture who work in rigorous manual labor and develop calluses on their hands. Those calluses are designed really to protect your skin from further injury. Sometimes a blister will turn into a callus. They are formed by pressure and friction. They're not a bad thing. Uh, I know a few guitarists. My dad was a guitarist. Ryan's a guitarist. And calluses are a good thing to protect their fingers from the strings while they play over and over. But calluses on our heart, spelled differently if you read my article, are not a good thing in the life of a Christian. So we need to ask ourselves, has our heart become calloused? Have we been hurt and tried to cover over that hurt with a callousness that protects us from being hurt again, from the feeling of being wounded by friends or by enemies or just by the regular stuff that happens in life? This callous condition is not a good thing at all. And when I started studying this, I really started thinking about what calluses are in your hand or on your hands, what they are on the heart. But to be calloused, spelled differently, is to feel no emotion and to show no empathy or sympathy for other people. Some people once had a tender heart, as I said, but now their heart is calloused to try to protect themselves. Callous people become hard-hearted. They become indifferent to the suffering of other people. And calloused hearts have no place in the life of a Christian. We are to be compassionate, not calloused. When the Apostle Paul was writing about the last days to Timothy, he spoke about the callousness that would exist in the minds and hearts of people, that our culture would be marked by a callousness instead of compassion. 2 Timothy 3 and 1, New Living Translation. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult times. King James says, perilous times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. That sounds a lot like our culture. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Now that is not a picture of the end time church. It is a picture of the end time culture. I've thought a lot lately, in the last few months I guess, about Noah's day, that the earth was filled with violence. 
I've referred to it in preaching sometime in the last few months. If we think our world cannot get worse, it can get worse. And one of the symptoms of a world just prior to judgment is a violent world, an uncaring world. It's a dangerous condition. You think about what Paul wrote, the callousness of the world affecting the tenderness of the hearts of people. And, and I'm speaking about this tonight because several weeks ago when I prayed and thought about what I should write in the August newsletter, it's back to school, there's a lot of things going on, I really felt strongly that I should write about and teach about being compassionate. The irreverent attitude of ungodly people toward God is manifested in selfishness and a callous treatment toward other people. In other words, what we see in the treatment of people to other people is merely reflective of their attitude toward God. For we know the two great, command, <clears throat> the two great commandments. And Jesus said that the entire law and prophets hang on these two commandments. You can take the ten, ten commandments, divide them four and six, and these two commandments sum up the entire ten commandments, the entire Bible. You love God with all of your heart. You love people as yourself. That sums up the message of the Bible. So when you see this callousness toward people, it is a reflection of the attitudes of people toward, toward God. In verse 5 of this same passage, Paul is writing to Timothy, and there's a whole context here. He says in verse 5 that some of these people will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. And he tells Timothy, and I want to tell you, stay away from people like that. Now we love to say, and I'm teaching on compassion, but there's a lot of things in the Bible about people we should avoid. And they're not the sinners. They're typically hypocrites. They're people who have gone into apostasy, who did not receive a love of the truth and have fallen into delusion. Well, sometimes in our culture, we can be saturated with needs and knowledge of needs. You know, an overload of the problems of our world. Just the news of any given day. I try to make sure that I know what's going on in our city first. And then in our country. That's my daily habit. To just kind of see what's happening. Because I love our city. And I care about what happens in our city. There's a, there's a factor called compassion fatigue and another related idea called the bystander effect. In the course of life and ministry, we can experience so many needs that we actually experience what is called a fatigue of compassion. I think about people that work in health care who see so many sick people every day, counselors that counsel people every day, funeral directors that work with people going through grief every day, preachers, people involved in ministry who deal with many needs every day. It is important that we do not allow the fatigue of so many needs cause us to have a calloused heart. Prior to the digital age, news traveled much more slowly and it typically did not reach as widely. But you know today, in a matter of seconds, we can know that a public official died in a car wreck 
we can know that in a matter of seconds in 2022. There's another thing about this compassion or a lack of compassion that is called the bystander effect. I taught about it several years ago, but I went back and read about it again to refresh my understanding of it. But the bystander effect is a paralyzing phenomenon that causes people to do nothing in a crisis such as an assault. You hear about people being attacked, you know, sometimes in New York on the subway, on the subway station, and people standing around doing nothing about it. Psychologists say that there is a perceived diffusion of responsibility. In other words, the bystanders believe that someone else should intervene. That it's not their job. It is not their problem. I believe that this affects larger churches. That people just have this feeling that someone else will pick up the paper, serve in that ministry, take care of the kids in the nursery, or whatever type of ministry it may be. There's plenty of other people to take care of that so I can just stand by and watch. That's typically not the Wednesday night congregation. But I'm talking to you about this bystander effect. That we can be affected in our world by so many problems, so many needs. That we feel either helpless to do anything about it. Or we don't feel a sense of responsibility to intervene. The Bible makes compassion personal. Calling every believer to action. The Apostle John wrote about this in 1 John 3. That whoever sees has this world's goods. And you see your brother in need. And shut up your heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, John says. Let us not love in word or in tongue. But in deed and in truth. In other words, John said that when you see a need and you have the resources to do something about it, if you shut that down, if you lock up and feel like you can't do anything about it, or excuse me, you're not going to do anything about it, it shuts the love of God from flowing into you because love flows through us, not just to us. We are not the end user of the love of God. We are to be a conduit through which the love of God flows. So when we're overwhelmed by the magnitude of bad news, by so many problems in our world, it can affect our personal involvement in known needs, in proximity to us, and we can suffer from compassion fatigue or the bystander effect and do little or nothing at all. But we need to pray that God would soften our hearts and give us compassion. Being compassionate is being like Jesus Christ. The Bible said in Matthew 9.36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. When Jesus saw needs, something was triggered inside of him to do Something about it. Matthew 14, 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. 
I'll come back to this idea a little bit later. But it was compassion that triggered the miraculous in the ministry of Jesus. There was a time when the disciples of Jesus were really tired. They had worked all day, taking care of everybody. It was toward evening, so the disciples said to Jesus, You know, let's send all these people away so they can go find something to eat. In other words, they're hungry, but it's not our problem. They're hungry. It's late in the day. But, you know, we're ready to punch the clock and go home. We've just kind of done all the ministry that we can stand. We're just saturated with taking care of business. So let them figure out what to do. But Jesus fed the multitude because he was moved with compassion. One time the disciples of Jesus suggested that they call fire down from heaven. And destroy people who are rejecting him. Just like the prophet did. But Jesus said. You don't know what spirit you're of. For the son of man has not come to destroy men's lives. But to save men's lives. In other time after the miracles. And when they were on the ship. Jesus rebuked them. Because their heart was hardened. He said have you your heart yet hardened? Has all of this caused you to not have faith that I can still provide your needs and I don't have time to go into the context of that story? So I just want to remind you that callousness is not Christ-like. To be like Jesus is to be compassionate. In the epistles, we're taught to be tender-hearted, Ephesians 4.32, and be kind one toward another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. you know, in our culture, uh, little boys growing up are often told, you know, men don't cry. Teach our kids to be callous and tough. It's not just boys anymore. And I think it's great to be tough and strong and brave, but that doesn't mean that you can't be tender and compassionate at the same time. In Colossians 3, Paul said, that you're the elect of God. You should put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, Paul said, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. It's like, it's like the belt that wraps everything together in the Christian's life. James said that pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction or trouble and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. In my article, I did not reference Hebrews 4, but this morning as I was praying and thinking about this message and turning an article into a message, and I've done quite a bit of study, but Hebrews 4.14 came to my mind pretty strongly, this passage. So we're going to walk through this passage briefly. This is written about Jesus Christ. The theme of the book of Hebrews is better. We have better blood, better covenant, better high priest, better hope. You know, everything in the New Testament is better than the old. So that's what the writer of Hebrews is aiming toward. 
He said in verse 14 of chapter 4, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest, now he's going to talk about human high priests. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God. This priest is a go-between. He's an intercessor of sorts. He goes to God on behalf of people. And we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God according to the flesh. There is one God. There is one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. That was his mediatorial role. That he would stand between us and God as our Father. And he would bring us together. He would make atonement or reconciliation. So that was his role. Humanly, the high priest served a similar role. He would be a go-between us or men and God. And I want to draw a parallel, an application of what we're reading here to our role. To come and reach for a person and bring them to God and try to bring them together. So here's what it says about them. That men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God. That he may offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who were ignorant and going astray. Now this word ignorant in the original language means ignorant. Without knowledge. Not, you know, you know anybody who's ignorant? That's our job. Our job is to be compassionate toward people that don't have a clue. I know you're nudging your neighbor right now. Don't do that. He can have compassion on the ignorant. Not condescending. Not elitist. Not holier than thou. This high priest is taken from among men. And he's compassionate toward the ignorant. And he's also compassionate on those who are going astray. Since he himself is subject to weakness. This man also knows what it is like to feel weakness. I see that you have the King James on the screen. He is compassed with infirmity. He knows how to be compassionate because he's been there too. He's a human too. Because of this, verse 3. I'll read it off the screen instead of my notes. And by reason hereof he ought is for the people, so also for himself to offer sins. In other words, he's required to offer sacrifices for sins for other people and himself. And verse 4 says, And no man takes his honor to himself, but he was called of God just as Aaron was. So you don't put yourself into a position of ministry. You have to be called of God. But I want to make just a few applications. I've kind of done it along the way here. We're not the high priest. Jesus is the great high priest. But this role was to stand between God and men, as I've said. There were qualifications. 
But one of the qualifications was that he had to be a human being. He had to be someone who experienced what other people felt that he was supposed to minister to. He wasn't beyond human suffering. He wasn't beyond the temptation to sin. He wasn't beyond being ignorant or being led astray so he could be compassionate. This is a humility that has to be in every Christian where we don't look down our noses at people who are not doing well, who are struggling with sin, who are struggling with life, and it's easy to be judgmental. They may have landed themselves in that situation by their own poor decision making. But compassion is merciful and looks past responsibility. I believe in personal responsibility. But it looks past that to love them anyway. To be able to feel infirmities. That's the context of this passage. That we can come to the throne of grace. We can come to Jesus Christ and find mercy and help in time of need because that's what Jesus did for us. And our role in the world has some similarities. We're human and should never forget it. We should always remember that we're not impervious to temptation. And I've already said it, but we shouldn't feel holier than other people. And when people come to us for help, they should find what we found when we came to God. Mercy and grace to help in time of need. Amen. Compassion is often always a trigger of the miraculous. I mentioned this earlier, but when Jesus was moved with compassion, He healed their sick. As God in flesh, He was very compassionate. And I have some Psalms in my notes. Psalm 78, Psalm 86. Lamentation 322 that, that his mercies are new every morning His compassions fail not God in flesh Jesus Christ Had the nature of almighty God He was God There's so many Old Testament scriptures That speak of God's compassion But I want to share a story And if you read the newsletter And if you didn't you should, you should It'll take you less than five minutes um, You know my wife and I spent Almost 10 years serving in ministry in Jackson. We went to Bible college there. And Brother T.L. Craft is a deeply compassionate man. When we had moved to St. Louis uh, to work in the youth division, Justin was born, had heart issues. Brother Craft jumped on the next flight, came to be with us, assured us everything would be okay, prayed with us, and went back home. I have watched him over and over be so compassionate. But there's a story in the history of that church there was a young boy who was in my youth group. His name was Jimbo. Before I was youth pastor, when he was a young kid, he had a problem with warts. He was covered with warts. You read about warts. It's a virus. They can be contagious. They're bothersome and embarrassing. But Jimbo had lots of warts all over his body. And his parents brought Jimbo to Brother Kraft. Brother Kraft tells a story of how he prayed for him. He said, I knelt down by Jimbo. And I put my arms around him. And I just imagined how it would feel to be a little boy covered in warts. Compassion. And then he said, I prayed for him. It's widely known in that local church that God miraculously healed Jimbo of his warts. Because very often, compassion 
is a trigger of the miraculous. That our love for people, our feeling what they're feeling, becomes a conduit for the miraculous power of God to flow through us to them. I know that God responds to faith. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. But we want to be compassionate people. And I pray that over the next few weeks that the Lord would help us work on this facet of our walk with God. That He would help us love people like He did. For He was above it all. He came to join the fray and be one of us. And how can we not become one with our brothers and sisters in the world. I'm not talking about in Christ. Try to do what we can. I pray that we would ask God to cut away a calloused heart and help us be more compassionate.